Hello, and welcome to What Goes Bump in the Night. Hello and welcome to What Goes Bump Tonight. My name is Riley Clark and alongside me is... Jeremy. What's up guys? How's it going? Yes, we don't have Trevor today. He is feeling ill and we needed to record this episode today. So Jerm is stepping in for this very, very special episode. (laughs) And today, what we're going to cover is a story that I wrote. Uh, It's a creepypasta called the lake michigan leviathan i wrote it quite a while ago i've shared it on our facebook page uh with the night crew group um so you may have read this before but you haven't had us tell this amazing tale of the lake michigan leviathan and before we get started i would just like to say that it is also my birthday coming at midnight tonight hey guys which would have been yesterday if you're listening to the episode now yeah, we got an early birthday for Riley, everybody. You know, let's make some noise. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, super exciting episode, and it being the 68th episode. And we're almost to 5,000 downloads, which is absolutely a crazy, crazy thing that you guys are accomplishing. And couldn't be even more grateful. So, we're releasing some new merch for you guys to check out on our shop. And... Make sure if you haven't yet to go, you know, give us a like and subscribe on YouTube and all of those things. We greatly appreciate it as we make our road to 5,000 downloads. So without further ado, let's get started with this story. Lake Michigan is one of the natural wonders of the world. The largest body of freshwater in North America connected to four other large lakes. It can even take you to the Atlantic Ocean if you follow it. Lake Michigan also connects to one of the largest rivers in the U.S., the Mississippi, river taking you to the Gulf Coast. You may ask why I'm describing the vast lake. Well, there's a point to all this. It's size. Because in this story, the size of the water systems might just be holding something more than just water, fish, and turtles. What I'm going to tell you about might sound crazy, and hell, I know I've made it making me feel crazy on more than one occasion of retelling this story of the Leviathan I saw one day out looking for shipwrecks. In the boat that day was Dobbs, Donovan, Gabe, Captain, Connor, and myself, Kendrick. Dobbs and Gabe are my best friends and shipwrecking is our favorite summertime hobby. As Captain Connor was Dobbs' dad and he had taught us when we were younger. All three of us witnessed the Leviathan that summer day. I know what you're thinking. Now, okay, man, you really saw a Leviathan? Those are not real. Those are mythical creatures mentioned in the Bible. Well, I can tell you firsthand, they are more than a mythical creature. They are real. And this is how I learned to know that the Leviathan is the scariest thing on this planet. We were just off the coast of Lake Michigan around Petoskey. We were looking for a shipwreck that has been said to have just been off the coast there. It was a calm but breezy July summer day. Wind was just enough to ripple the water and cool you down from the blistering sun reflecting off the water. We could see the coastline, but you probably couldn't see us from the shore. 
We had just found imaging on the radar that looked like it could be the ship we were looking for. We gear up our scuba gear and take the plunge into the water. The wreck was close to 75 feet down, a somewhat tough dive, but no more difficult than a lot of the other dives we take in our adventures. Dobbs and myself take the first plunge down while Gabe and the captain keep watch. This plunge would be one we would never forget. As we crept closer and closer to the wreck, light in the water started to darken and we soon reached the bottom where it was just cold, dark, and ominous. Just off in the distance, our light catch a glimpse of the ship. In excitement, we scream and our masks create lots of bubbles that get sent up to the surface. On the surface, Gabe and the captain look on with excitement knowing that the bubbles probably mean we just hit the jackpot. Oh boy did we ever. The ship was still there almost in whole. It was be a beautiful sailboat, probably from the late 80s or mid 70s, about 40 feet long. This thing was a thing of beauty. The mast was broken and the sail was nowhere to be seen. Wreckage was scattered all over from ropes to containers. It was a mess down there. We swam closer to the ship to see something we didn't remember reading in the manifest of the shipwreck. It had what looked like three gouges in one of the hulls, like something ripped the side of the boat apart. Confused and starting to get low on air, we decided it was time to head up back to the captain and let them take a peek at the scene. We tug our ropes and begin our swim back to the surface. Now mind you that the lake is pretty clear and visibility near the surface is a lot better than on the bottom. But there's this point where light and dark meet and off in the distance I catch a glimpse of something large, extremely large, like the size of a cargo ship. There was no mistaking the size, but it was just far enough and moved just fast enough I chalked it up to be disorientation from being low on oxygen. Now, I really wish I would have said something sooner. As we get back into the boat and help prepare, the captain and Gabe for the dive, we tell them about the gouge and ponder on the manifest. The captain reassures us that the ship capsized from being in a water spout and sunk to the bottom and ne to never be recovered. Shrugging our shoulders and telling captain that, well, there are three giant gouges on the side and no rocks around. You think a water spout could do that? Gabe chimes in, well, it's basically a water tornado, so yeah, it could probably do that. We agree and take the 75-foot dive to the bottom to examine the shipwreck for themselves. Now, remember how I told you that it was a beautiful day out on the water? Well, it was, but now the wind had picked up a little bit, and we had to drop a second anchor to keep us in place. Only minutes had passed since they had been down there and the wind had severely amped up blowing now one to two foot white caps worried about the roughness and the sudden change in conditions we start the toes and let gabe and captain know it's time we should head back as the sun was now also covered by angry storm clouds and the cracking of thunder and rain could be heard about a mile out but when the ropes reach the surface the harnesses are empty the captain and gabe are nowhere to be found dobbs and myself start to panic we were yelling for them, thinking maybe they popped up away from the boat and that we had moved away from them. I tell Dobbs to check the GPS. We are still at the right coordinates. Dob confirms. Yeah, we are right above them, man. What the hell happened down there? Then Dobbs notices something on the radar. He says, Dude, why is the radar black? Confused, I look for myself and from the surface to the bottom and even where we could 
see the outline of the ship has gone completely black and the radar is reading three feet. We still have no sign of the captain and Gabe and they would be out of oxygen by now. We're freaking out about everything right now and we have no idea what to do. We then decide we should radio the Coast Guard, but then the boat lifts from the largest wave yet. It inhales the boat. Us and the boat went flying. I don't even know how many feet, but it had to be over 20 feet. I kept my eyes closed for most of it, fearing the worst. At this point, a perfect day had become a survival situation, and I'd never been in a situation like this. I'm an inner city guy. The most adventuring I do is diving and shipwrecking. Being in a survival situation like this never crossed my mind. As I'm in the water trying to keep afloat, waves are thrashing me around in the water surface. Water rushed into my mouth and made me choke and cough, trying to catch my breath between the waves. As I didn't manage to get a life vest before I was flung through the air. It all happened so fast, frantically even eyeing through the waves, just over the waves. I'd make a somewhat sinking boat but still floating, bobbing up and down with the waves about 30 yards from me. I start swimming and yelling for Dobbs, Gabe, and the captain, but no response from any of them. Guys, boat's over here! Swim here! Guys, where are you? Please, Lord, save us! I reach to the boat. It's pouring so hard I couldn't even make out my left or right. From the rough waters, rain, thunder, lightning, beyond loss now in Lake Michigan, I fear I may never live to see another day. In desperation, I start yelling their names louder and louder, louder, searching for any movement of anything floating on the surface. It's dark. The sun is starting to go down. The storm clouds are even thicker now. Rain almost feels like it's raining baseballs being thrown by professional baseball pitchers. I began to break down and cry, begging for the monster to leave me alone and not come back to finish me off. Then I hear a roar, like a roar I'd never heard before. I've lived in Michigan my whole life, and we don't have any animals that roar, especially on top of the water. It sounded like a ship's horn, but blood-curdling like a screaming person struggling for their life. I was left paralyzed in fear. Then I saw it. The Leviathan. Had a head like a dragon, but almost serpent-like. Its teeth larger than even myself. Its nostrils large, exhaled ridiculous amounts of water, pouring down like tippy buckets at water parks. Its massive body, almost titan-sized, rough and scaly, but like a crocodile skin, its underbelly was like an eel, dripping slime, and the rest of it is what really blew my mind and made me think of the sailboat at the bottom of the lake. It was like a squid, like a giant, massive squid. It had like 12 arms, well, tentacles, I guess, would be the more accurate term. As this <laughs> giant beach approached me, it created a giant wake, almost like a tidal wave. Swimming at an insane speed, it crashed into the boat. I hung on for dear life. I go flying through the air, then for a second time, just keeping my eyes open to get a better look at the beast and what it was trying to do. I saw for a split second, it had grabbed the boat and drug it to the bottom of the lake. I finished my free fall, landing violently to the water surface, engulfed by the waves created by the Leviathan's disturbance. I then blacked out and awoke on the shores near Petoskey. Some hikers walking their dog that morning had found me laying in the sand. I started screaming in fear, calling for my best friends. Gabe! Dob! Captain! The people were alarmed at my reaction to be awoken trying to calmly try and get me to explain what I was screaming about. 
After about 15 minutes of screaming and running up and down the beach, I finally realized that they were no, nowhere near the shore or near me. I need to tell the authorities and our families about what happened. I asked the kind people if I could use their phone. They let me, and I dialed 911 and reported there was a boat wreck last night, and the Coast Guard needs to be sent to the location of the wreckage. Luckily, I had memorized those coordinates. 45, 41, minus 85, 10. I'll never forget that location. It's where all my nightmares became reality. This is where the story gets tricky. The Coast Guard was unable to locate our boat. It was a 45-foot boat, and that just went missing in Lake Michigan. It was roughly the same size as a sailboat, and that was found by many people, including us. I'm not sure what happened to them or where the boat has gone. I've never stopped looking. I make trips almost weekly in the summer to try to find the boat. I have a three-mile radius of the site of the Leviathan searched, logged, and photographed, and there is no trace of our boat ever being there. Even our anchors are gone. I know what you're thinking. Why do you go back? Aren't you scared it'll come back and try to attack? Well, I'm not scared. I saw the beast and honestly, seeing it again might bring some kind of closure to what happened that night. I'm expanding my search again this summer and have some more help to try and find clues to where maybe even the Leviathan was hiding or heading. Something that big can't swim around and leave no sign. Can it? Maybe it can. I, I don't know. If it is said to be from the Bible, who, who knows? What kind of powers it might hold? I think it was the reasoning behind the most terrifying storm I've ever witnessed in my life. I think it's also what took down the sailboat years prior. Do I know for sure? No, but I know eventually I will find the answers I'm looking for and finally make sense of everything that happened. The end. Well, first of all, I want to know if there's going to be a sequel to this story because I need answers. What answers do you need? I need to know where his boat went, where his friends went. Yeah, and I mean, that's what he's trying to figure out, right? Like, Leviathan took took the ship down, and now it's gone. Did it, like, take it with it with the storm, you think? Like, the storm just pushed it really far away? and I think that... I think the Leviathan probably fucked it up with a tentacle or some shit and took it down to the depths of the abyss with him. Yeah, I think... I think that could have happened too. He just well, the Leviathan just jumps up and just eats the whole thing. And like that's what he eats. He eats ships. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Out right? in the sea. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like there could be a sequel to the story. I think I could extend it more. So yeah. it sounded like he was traumatized at first. Yeah, I think he was definitely then... traumatized. I mean, a survival situation. I feel like it's always gonna be in your head. You know, for the rest of your life, it'll be something you just can't forget because it pushes you. But then, yeah, exactly. But then some time went by and he conquered his fear from the sounds of it. Right. And he wanted to find out answers. He wasn't scared anymore. Right. And he wasn't scared to find the answers mm-hmm. by looking. A little, like, him going and having, like, a three-mile radius, like, dived and mapped out. Like, that takes a lot of time and effort. 
I just hope he's not going alone. Right. Hope he brings some more hopefully, uh, hopefully. reinforcements next he, time. Yeah, he said he's getting some help. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel like, you know, if it was a real story and something like this happened, like, I feel like people would want to solve that kind of mystery. Oh, for sure. I definitely would. Like, just a, a ship that disappeared in a storm and no one to be found again. Like, even that in I'd itself be, is I'd something. Be a pretty of badass mystery. way to go out, too. <laughs> yeah. I would say so. It's pretty badass. Let's go. I mean, it could be somewhat plausible, not really technically, but I mean, if you think about how big Lake Michigan and is and how it's connected to the oceans, how basically, deep it could be right. Like a creature like this has all the escape routes to get out. Mm-hmm. Literally, can just go disappear into the ocean and go back to wherever it's from. Any lake it wants. Any lake, anywhere. It could go anywhere it wants really who knows how fast he is too or her right or if it can like interdimensional travel like that who knows what its capabilities right if it's like a pivotal creature who knows what kind of capabilities Mm -hmm. it could be interesting thought and that actually leads me to something crazy that actually happened so shout out to trevor for actually doing this but we were looking for a creature to talk about Um, and we actually came across a creature that kind of, it it doesn't really resemble the creature in the story, but it has a lot of similarities in the way it acts in its like, uh, culture from the indigenous people actually from around here. Uh, like there's this creature, it's called the underwater Panther. I'm going to show Jeremy a picture of it. I'll post a picture of it somewhere, but it's a mythological creature from the indigenous. It's like half horse, half dragon. Yeah, it's like a panther, like dragon looking thing that lives in the water. It's also called a Mishipaishu. Mishipaishu, I hope I'm saying that right. It's a panther dragon horse. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of crazy looking. Wow. Uh, and it's uh, from the Ojibwe tribe. And like I said, around here. Ojibwe? Ojibwe. 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 And like Mishiapsu translates into the Great Lynx. It has the head and paws of a giant cat, but it's covered in scales and has dagger like spikes running along its back and tail says to make home in Lake Superior is a powerful creature in mythological traditions of some Native American tribes, particularly in Awashe tribes, o- Odawawa, Potawatomi, and Ojibwe. Um, and it, in all of those tribes in the Great Lakes region, Canada, and other parts of the United States. It's interesting. Right? And it's just kind of crazy. I didn't even know this creature existed until like a week ago. I wrote this story like in july i know i try be <laughs> trying to be getting some footage of that right i wonder if like money. a creature like this could actually exist like if native american people were talking about it i mean who knows what exists on this planet we've only you know discovered so much of it but this is what i thought was super like relatable between the two things it's said to live in the deepest parts of the lakes and rivers and where they can cause storms some traditions believe the underwater panther to be helpful protective creatures 
but more often they were viewed as malevolent beasts that brought death and misfortune. They often need to be placent for safe passage across a lake. As of late 1950s, the Pride Band of Potawatomi Indians performed a traditional ceremony to placate the underworld panther and maintain balance with the thunderbird. They're Isn't probably off that, that crazy, bro. <laughs> like that relates to the story I wrote so much and I had no idea that this thing even existed when I wrote it. Right. So your imagination is wild. My imagination is wild. They're probably like off that peyote. They're just seeing some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But I mean, if even recently they were conducting, like, I guess not conducting, but performing ceremonies to keep this thing place it to mm. where it's not going to cause a giant storm and create death and misfortune. Like, yo, right. There could be like some fossils out there too. The bottom maybe, of the lake or maybe, wherever. Maybe. Maybe it is a real thing. Maybe it's. Just haven't found it yet been placent forever who knows because we, we know we answers travel across lake michigan is big money like people ride the ferry from mm-hmm. muskegon to milwaukee all the time yeah a lot of money in that very important and there's a lot of ships that come through the great lakes like a lot Grand sure. always has big cargo ships coming through a lot of traffic and we are going to wrap up this episode night crew we appreciate you of course as always you're the best listeners in the entire podcast community super happy i get to celebrate my birthday with y'all if you're listening to this it was my birthday yesterday sorry i didn't really sell my birthday but (laughs) Uh, we're having a good time tonight hopefully you had a good time listening to my story and don't forget to follow us on, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, like, you know, the normal spiel that we do at the, the end of these episodes. And thank you, Germ, for coming out and being yeah, an awesome to be here, co-host man. today and listening to me read my story and giving your input on it. Yeah, sorry Trevor couldn't be here, guys, but I'm glad you guys are listening to me. <laughs> and as always, folks, remember to keep your ears and eyes open for what really goes bump in the night peace peace before we go please check out this promo from our friends pursuit of the paranormal how many greys do you think you've killed over the years 19 pretty much for sure because that day even though i was a kid i knew for a fact that what we had just witnessed wasn't human the only way that I could describe it was that there was there was a shadow stood there. I believe that it's potentially, I'm not saying 100% definitely, but potentially a real abduction caught on video camera. Join Ash and me every Tuesday as we explore some of the lesser known but fascinating unusual stories from our unknown world. With the latest paranormal and UFO news, a look back at historical cases and special guests joining us along the way, we aim to pursue the paranormal from a different point of view. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.